Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Time to rewind. It's the Chris and Amy Rewind Recap. And of course, we will have a Cardinals holiday pack to give away this hour. Not right now, but this hour we are going to do that. You'll want to be tuned in, listening for your opportunity to win that holiday prize pack, which we're going to give away one every day this week. Also, coming up January 5th, it is the inaugural Give Back Trivia Night at the Moolah Shrine Center. Um, secure your tables, 10 bucks, or I'm sorry, for 10 people, it's 200 bucks, so just 20 bucks a person at the table. Huge part of the proceeds go to SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital, the Tree of Hope campaign happening now which is crucial for kids who are recovering from illness. Get your tables at kmox.com slash events. Again, January 5th, and for a table of 10 is just 200 bucks total. So it's it's for a, a really good cause. And we're actually going to talk to Bill McDermott, Mr. Soccer. He will join us at the bottom of the hour because of the Tree of Hope campaign. Of course, he has a very personal relationship with Cardinal Glennon, and we will talk to him um, about that because it it affects him deeply. So um, we'll have that conversation at the bottom of the hour. We did have a conversation with County Councilman Mark Harder about the proposal to slash $14 million from the county's budget. Personally, I don't think it goes far enough. Uh, I think we should have cut more. There's, We do this dance every year this time, and it's a political dance. And what happens is that the county executive proposes his budget uh, around October. We get it. We go over it. We meet with the department heads and see how realistic it is. Yeah, and, and there is a, a feeling that there's probably some bloat that they could cut in that budget and they could be right. I do not know the intricate details of of every item in their budget, but um, certainly there's there's always room for that. And we'll, they'll come to some sort of agreement here. The one thing we did talk about with him, Nate, was, and I, I know people generally are concerned about the amount of taxes they pay, just generally speaking. People just don't like to pay taxes. Nobody likes to pay taxes. And I, I brought up the point that Really, the state of Missouri is one of the best states if you don't want a heavy tax burden. It is ranked about 42nd in the country of all the states for lowest tax burden. That includes property tax. It includes sales tax. It includes everything that, the, you know, state, ta- state tax, too, income tax. It includes all of those things. It's a, it's a pretty low burden relatively speaking to the rest of the country, which I think you do have to take into account. I think the problem is you get that property tax bill and it's one chunk all at once and you go, come on, man. And to the extent that, that, you know, we talked about this a little bit off the air, to the extent that taxes and especially property tax, but taxes in general are a you want to live here tax and tend to be higher in places people want to be. Typically, I think Missouri is an especially good bargain 
because if you look at those other states in the bottom 10, you're getting, you know, Wyoming and Idaho and Arkansas and Mississippi and Alabama. You're not getting any states that have, uh, to my thought, even one, let alone two metro areas the size and sophistication of St. Louis and Kansas City. I mean, those are those are genuinely good places to live and work with a lot of things to do and yeah. a lot of services, the likes of which you're you're just not finding. No disrespect to Arkansas and Alabama and Idaho, which have plenty of places that I'm sure are great to live, but they're not attracting people in the same way as those two metropolitan areas. The the only one really is Florida. Yeah, you know, Florida is a, a huge state with a lot of population, but otherwise, you're not. You know, you're, you're talking about states where not a lot of people live. And yet, again, nobody likes to pay taxes. Nobody like. I don't want to. I understand that you kind of have to so we can have services. Yeah, you know, want to have roads to drive on. Yeah, I mean, just I, I get it. I don't like it, but I absolutely get it. Um, we also discussed the Cardinals and what they are going to be doing and what sort of position they're in now. We visited with Rob Raines, who's covered the Cardinals for years. They're a better team today than they were at the end of the last of the last season with the additions of the, the Gray, Lynn, and, and Gibson. So are they all the way they where they need to be? I don't think so. I'd still like to see them go out and get one more top-of-the-rotation starter, whether that's through a trade or, or a free agency. I think they're also still in the market for some other bullpen arms of the free agency. The other thing to remember about the trade is, okay, you got a couple of players back who might, you know, one of them might help you this year, one of them might help you in the future but you also freed up the probably $6 million that O'Neill was going to make through arbitration this year. So, yeah, they're an improved team. Are they the best team in the division? I don't know about that just yet. Um, they still seem to have work to be done. And, look, they, they had a pretty lousy year, so they're going to have to, a lousy 2023, they have to make up a lot of ground. There, there's a, a pretty big turnaround that's going to need to happen here. So yeah. Rob noted, and I think accurately so, that they have acquired some guys who have a track record of pitching a lot of innings, which was a priority for them, uh, both because of how deep they had to get into their starting pitching depth uh, as last season went on and because of the average length of outing, putting a lot of strain on the bullpen, which which really uh, put them in a bad situation in the second half of the season. Uh, those are good points. Other than that, I don't think they've improved the talent level of their rotation significantly compared to what it was last year because you lose a really, as it stands, they've lost a, a really good pitcher in Jordan Montgomery and another pretty good pitcher with a lot of upside when he has it working in Jack Flaherty. And, and I think... They probably need, as Rob noted, another another high-end guy. I would be really surprised what Yamamoto and Snell are probably the only two bona fide number one level starters who are still out there as free agents. I would be really surprised if that addition is a free agent. Uh, maybe if Jordan Montgomery were, you know, had been had been thinking about taking a discount, but if he was going to do that, it would have already happened. And Scott Boris is not into that. I, I would think the likes of Tyler Glass now and especially Dylan Cease in trades are more realistic. Maybe you could get a good deal off the White Sox for Cease, though it's going to be competitive because he has two years of affordable control still remaining. Yeah, it would be cool to see them get one more guy. Just a guy. What I ultimately think they should strive for is get somebody that once you get to the postseason, you know who's taking the ball game one. If you if you have um, you know won the division in enough time or clinched your playoff spot in enough time to set up the rotation the way you want, you know who gets the ball in game one. Right now, they really don't have that. You would say Michaelis, but do you feel like Michaelis is that dude? And I don't say that you would. 
And the other thing is, once you get to the postseason, and this is one of the reasons I think people criticize the Cardinals for being a team that builds to try to win the NL Central instead of building to try to win the World Series, once you get to the playoffs, nobody wants an innings eater. There aren't a lot of innings to eat. You're not even going to start your fifth guy. Right. You're going right. to use four starters. In some cases, you might use three, depending on how the off days are aligned. And you're going to get to your bullpen early. You want elite arms who can be really good for five or six innings. You don't need guys to eat innings. Your bullpen is going to be rested. You're going to have plenty of off days. You want three to four guys who are as high end as you can possibly get. I don't think they can feel appreciably better about their chances of winning the World Series next year than they did going into last season as the roster currently stands. They can expect to do better than they did last year because I think they had bad injury luck and just some some unlucky performances offensively. They lost a lot of close games. In general, I think this team would do better than it did a year ago in part just because of regressing to the mean. They're owed some positive regression from last season, but I don't think you feel appreciably better about their World Series chances than you would have in March well, of last Series year. Is, yeah, World Series is different. Um, you, you're When you're talking about World Series... Do you even feel you better feel, right now about their chances of winning the Central in 2024 bit, than you bit. would have, not than you did at the end of the year, but than you would have in March of last year? I mean, we considered them favorites in March of last year. This is a team Honestly, that's not any better was, than that I was, team. I was worried about the rotation last year, and I said it multiple times. Do you, you feel about the same or a little bit better now? I feel better about what it is now than then, but it's still not to me. I My confidence level in them to win the division is better. But to to get to a playoff series and do really well in that series, it's not it's not high. Yeah. Part of that is that the, the Central is just a tough division to call because on the one hand, you have the ultra-talented Reds who are still really young and sort of unpredictable. Yeah. You have the Cubs who they'll I think spend, were better than last year spend and, and will try. spend, but they lost Cody Bellinger, who was their best offensive they might player get him back. from a season ago. Could still get him back, but we'll see. And the Brewers, who lost not only their their highly priced manager to the Cubs, but who also are potentially poised to lose Corbin Burns in a trade at some point, maybe before the season starts. Certainly, unless they're really playing well, you'd think they're going to move him at the deadline. It's pretty unlikely Corbin Burns is a Brewer all the way through next season and, and becomes a free agent with Milwaukee getting nothing back. So... Uh, it's a, just a weird division because, uh, you know, the Reds are on the upswing, but who knows? And the Cubs and Brewers, I think, are totally unpredictable because of the the sort of flux of their rosters. We will um, talk about the the situation with, um, or we did already actually talk about the situation that's happening with university presidents at Penn, MIT, and Harvard, where they have come under fire. After their testimony last week in front of Congress, there have been some anti-Israel, um, some you would call anti-Semitic protests that have taken place on some of these campuses. And Congress wanted to know um, what the deal was and whether or not code of conduct has been violated in these protest incidents. And I think you can make the argument certainly that they have. Depending on if you're a free speech absolutist and whether or not these universities are abiding by the First Amendment in their code of conduct, because it doesn't look it when you come to work here, you can't just say whatever you want to. The First Amendment does not protect every single thing that you say. It just it's not absolute in a university setting, depending on the setting and depending on what their code of conduct says, you might be protected. I think they had miserable performances at that hearing last week 
and they have been rightfully criticized. I guess the, the, the question is, should they all resign? One of them already has. The uh, Liz McGill, who was the president at Penn. You have the other two who do not at this point appear to be willing to do that. The MIT um, president has been getting a vote of confidence and so probably is not going anywhere. Um, the president at Harvard at this point has not gone anywhere and has gotten a letter of support from about 600 faculty. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And Nate, the, the conversation we had was what I think is that we tend to overvalue or overstate how important what happens on a college campus is for society at large. Because I, I think it is a very small percentage of the population. I think the things that happen there wouldn't happen in the real world. Um, typically, sometimes it does happen. But for the most part, I think we overreact to what's going on on a college campus as if to say, well, this is the problem with society in general. And I just don't think that's true all the time. In the sense of policing speech, I think that's definitely true. On the other hand, it can be a good barometer in terms of how people are feeling and how we react to those things because we've seen those spread into very professional adult workplaces too where maybe yeah. people have thoughts on the, on the conflict between Israel and Hamas and how has that been handled uh, by their bosses. It depends. Um, to that point, when you said that, I think the one thing we can all agree on is that they really did not perform well. Uh, two of them reportedly paid a lot of money to Wilmer Hale, which is a very big, very expensive, very prestigious law firm right. to prep them yeah. for their performances. I don't think that was money very well spent. Okay, consulting is the best job in the world. Just any kind of consultant, best job in the world. It's like There's when you no, ask a coach what's yeah. going wrong and they just say, the execution. It wasn't, hey, oh, the hey, game hey, plan hey. was great. Hey. The play calling, great. Just didn't execute. Or, hey, that's on me. That's on me. I take accountability. Do you? That's Nate Gatter in for Amy. I'm Chris Ranji. We will give you a way that you can make a lot of money. We'll tell you about that next on KMOX. I mentioned a way that you can make a lot of money, uh, Nate, right before we went to break. And there is. There is a way that you can earn $83,000 a week. $83,000 a week on Cameo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. But there's a caveat. There's a huge caveat. A cameo caveat. You need to have been elected to Congress and uh, disgracefully released of your duties because you turned out to be a fraud. That's the so funny thing about it, right? Is that a, a, your average congressman, what's he getting in a week on cameo? Well, 500 bucks? No, because before this even started... It was well under $200 to get a cameo from George Santos out of New York. And everybody knows the story about George, who turned out that he absolutely lied about his resume. He committed, um, allegedly, um, all kinds of fraud. The ethics committee did an investigation on him and decided, yep, uh, this guy's crooked. And uh, he was eventually voted out of Congress by his peers. He says... And this is according to him going to some party in New York City uh, a few days ago. 
he was telling people at the party that he charges $600 for a cameo. And for people who don't know what cameo is, you can go to the, the website and you can find certain celebrities who have signed up for it. You pay whatever money they've decided to charge. It could be 20 bucks. It could be 600 in George's case. And you can have them say whatever you want. And you said 83,000 in a week. Well, he said he took 140 orders in a day, yes, which so, is over so, 83 grand in one day. Right. So what what he's saying is and he is charging 600 and by the way, about a week ago, he was charging 200. He has gotten so many orders that he has up the price by $400. Price so, of the bag so like, going up. Yeah. So cameo you can and I I did this for my mom once for uh, an actor for some from some show that's stupid that she likes and you know, he did it, and he it was like a 30-second thing where it was a greeting to her, and, you know, she loved it. And a lot of people love those things. So George Santos has gotten so many orders, he says, that in one week alone, $83,000. It's over 83000 In fact, 83860 And I, I said week. It was in one day. Yeah, he claims that he's going to make over a congressional salary in one week, which would be over $174,000. That's what he was going to make so, in, in his salary. Now, again, he says a lot of things, so we're, we're relying on things that he said. And he also has a lot of expenses. You've got to keep in mind the, uh, you know, the, law, legal, the, fees, the legal fees this guy's going to have to pay. But if he ends up somehow getting out of all of this with no prison time, is there a good chance this is a, a net positive for George Santos's life? That he goes from being a guy who was having to grift his way into a certain lifestyle that he wanted to being a guy who can just yes, and that's, make a that's, lot of money. That's the question. That's exactly the question is, it, hey, if, if people are paying for it, then there's nothing you can do about that. If there's a market for this, if, if there is a market for giving George Santos $600 to have him record a message for you or your friend, then okay, there's a market for it. I guess the question is, morally... Should you be giving George Santos $600? Now, this is going to die very quickly. The George Santos novelty will wear off sooner than later. And within, I would say, a month, maybe even sooner, people ain't paying this man $600 to record anything for them. Yeah, this is his, this is, is his Christmas to capitalize. Yeah, this So, uh, you know what? Good for the fraud. He's fine. This is this is actually the most legal thing he seems to do is to, to is back have up what he said. Money. To back up what he said, the CEO of Cameo confirmed that uh, he is quote an absolute whale, and said quote he's putting up numbers like Sarah Jessica Parker and Bon Jovi on Cameo. So it's a it's a I guess a good time to be George Santos. The best time it's been in a while. There's a market for Bon Jovi right now. Apparently. Okay. An absolute hey, whale. Mr. Soccer, Bill McDermott joins us. The Cardinal Glennon Tree of Hope campaign is ongoing. We will talk to Bill McDermott, who's got a personal experience with it next on KMOX. Nate Gatter in for Amy Marks Cores. I'm Chris Ranji. It's good that you're with us this afternoon on KMOX. Um, for the remainder of the week, we will be giving away those Cardinals uh, holiday packs. We've already given away one today. So tomorrow and every day uh, for the remainder of the week, as I said, you will want to be listening for your opportunity to win. We go to the Quiver River Electric guest line uh, this afternoon. We bring in Mr. Soccer. He is a Missouri Sports Hall of Famer. He is the host of Extra Time on KMOX ahead of St. Louis City 
games. Well, I guess a post game, right? Yeah. Um, it's St. Louis City games uh, when they are playing at home. Bill McDermott joins us on KMOX. Bill, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Chris. Nate, how are you? Very good, sir. You know, I don't think, Bill, I can't remember if we talked after the season came to an end. I don't think we've had an opportunity to uh, to discuss St. Louis City SC. and, and uh, I don't think so, yeah. Chris. No, I don't, I don't believe so. so but uh, the final was uh, yesterday in Columbus, lower.com field, and Columbus emerged the victor as they were clearly the better team over LAFC. LAFC was uh, trying to win the second title two years in a row, and they're a fairly, fairly new team in Major League Soccer and just starting in 2018, uh, but they were the darlings of Los Angeles when they first started off, uh, due mainly to the work of Carlos Vela, who was a Mexican international, and there's a huge Hispanic makeup that, used to, uh, that comes to these games for LAFC, but it's, uh, it's really nice, it's refreshing to see one of the original teams in Major League Soccer, namely the Columbus Crew, win yesterday because of the quality of the play. And uh, in particular, Chris and Nate, I don't know how you feel about this, but their founder, their original owner, was Lamar Hunt. And Lamar Hunt did so much for the sport of soccer, not just in Major League Soccer, but decades earlier in the late 60s, early 70s, in the North American Soccer League, when he and people like Bob Herman in St. Louis were actively involved in bringing the sport to the United States. So it's nice to see the Hunt family rewarded, uh, this time for soccer, not so much for football. But yeah. they're also getting rewarded because uh, Arrowhead Stadium will be a venue for World Cup games when the World Cup comes to the United States in 2026. And not just the World Cup, they're going to host uh, the U.S. in what will be their biggest group game in Copa America next summer. Uh, they're going to have the U.S.-Uruguay game I think that's uh, Ju- June or July of, of next yes, summer uh, in the Copa America. Uh, certainly good to see to see Lamar Hunt or the Hunt family have that success. Lamar Hunt, as you noted, uh, such a big part of, of soccer's growth in this country and the namesake uh, on that U.S. Open Cup trophy. The, la- the other thing that came to my mind, Bill, not just an original team, Columbus, but, but your original MLS club as well before uh, the birth of St. Louis yes. City. Yes, I did uh, quite a few uh, Columbus games. Uh, with the ABC slash ESPN package from 96 to 02. And then when I finished working on the league package, I was fortunate to get involved with Columbus and did so uh, for about 10 years. And in particular, Nate, when they won in 2008, where they had a player, uh, another Argentine, not of the pedigree of Lionel Messi, but if you ask a lot of Argentinians about Guillermo Barroscalco, they will tell you that they love the way he played and what he did for Columbus in 2000. He won the championship for Columbus in 2008, and then they were victorious in 2020, winning MLS Cup with uh, Lucas Zellerayan, who they lost mid-year this year to go to Saudi Arabia. But in the process, picked up Diego Rossi, who was a huge portion of their team latter part of this year. Talking with Mr. Soccer, Bill McDermott here on KMOX. We love having him on to discuss soccer, especially because um, he just answers every question that I don't know the answer to, which is all of them. So <laughs> it's it's great that I could just say, uh, here you go, Bill, you go and, and tell me what I don't know. 
So well, it's you know you know what Chris it's over over a career it's been uh, it's been an, an absolute labor of love to be able to follow the St. Louis teams and what they do here in St. Louis, but literally uh, what they've done for the sport of soccer around the country uh, in our city, which is literally the, the first soccer capital in the United States. But in actuality, well, we don't know where that is any longer because everybody plays. Uh, but the real birthplace of the sport and the birthplace of the sports popularity in the United States is right here in St. Louis. And Bill, the reason we wanted to have you on today is this is a very important time for SSM Health Cardinal Glennon yes. Children's Hospital. The Tree of Hope campaign is happening right now, and you can go to treeofhope.org to donate. And this is very personal for you. Very personal. Uh, our daughter Mary, uh, one of a twin, uh, twins, uh, Colleen and Mary, they were born prematurely. Uh, Chris, uh, they were supposed to be born in May of 1984. They were born in March of 1984. And uh, they were they were troublesome. They had problems from the very, very outset. During the pregnancy, uh, which we were ushered through by Drs. Durrell and Shainer during the overall pregnancy. But then upon birth, they were whisked, whisked to Cardinal Glennon immediately. Dr. Shainer had told us to get down there as quickly as possible. Uh, we're not certain of the outcome. But uh, my wife couldn't go, obviously, because she had a C-section. So consequently, she, she wasn't going anywhere. So I'm racing down Highway 40, literally because of doctor's instructions. Uh, but the instant that we were able to walk through the doors together and may single singly when I went down there first, we knew we were in the right place. Uh, you put your faith in everybody else's work, Drs. Pennington, Weber, uh, Balfour, but in particular Bill Keenan. Uh, Mary, who, as I mentioned, fared much worse than Colleen with uh, heart and liver complications all kinds of different surgeries, three heart, two livers. She had biliary atresia. When she passed away on the 21st of December in 2008, she was way, way high up on the liver replacement uh, transplant list. Uh, but she just literally did not wake up that particular morning. So we, ever since, ever since, have been in debt to Cardinal Glennon. We had... Uh, We had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we had 24 years with Mary. You know what? I'm sorry. You know, I never know when that's going to happen, Chris. I, I, I know. I know. And that it's, it's, it's okay, clearly. We had uh, 24 years with Mary uh, due strictly and solely because of the uh, work of the doctors and nurses at Carter Glennon. Uh, they literally, uh, uh, they were at death's door when they uh, got to the hospital. But the doctors and nurses, uh, they saved their lives. Uh, Mary was seen by the doctors and nurses at Carmen Glennon until she was in her early 20s. Uh, it never, never felt like going to a hospital. It was always a welcoming atmosphere. Uh, and you put your faith in other people's ability because you literally had no control over what was going on. However, it does affect you because uh, your child may have the surgery, but the whole family uh, is involved in the operation. Uh, but they, uh, we had 24 years with Mary, as I mentioned, strictly because of the doctors and nurses at Glennon. And, and it's maybe the uh, 
it's arguably the most important thing that that the staff can do is make you feel as comfortable as possible. Yes, and and mm-hmm. that's what they do on a regular a regular basis. Um, as I mentioned, she was seen going into her twenties uh, by the various doctors, in particular uh, for her heart complications. But then the liver complications began to take over with uh, reference to their severity. So when she passed away in 2008, a member of our parish, a guy by the name of Steve Mattingly at Immaculata Parish said, uh, you know, I know that you want to do something to further Mary's memory and honor her memory at Cardinal Glennon. Uh, How about a third grade basketball tournament where we could fundraise, we do this on a yearly basis, and we would do it to do just that, continue quality health care at Cardinal Glennon and honor Mary's memory. So we did that at Macalotta, and the reason uh, third grade was emphasized, Chris, is that that's the first time uh, children begin to play basketball in the CYC. So it was a it was a novel concept at the outset. It worked. Uh, to date, uh, we have just continued the tournament because we have reached our goal: the cardiac catheterization suite at Cardinal Glennon, uh, the Mary McDermott cardiac catheterization suite at Cardinal Glennon is indeed a reality. Uh, we still continue to raise funds whenever possible. We're over the half a million dollar mark. We're around 525000 And we give that to Carla Glennon on a regular basis uh, whenever possible, uh, as I mentioned, uh, for a twofold reason. And this has always been, this was always our quest to continue the quality health care for other children less fortunate. And uh, as your spot just read, as you just said, nobody wants to be in the hospital at Christmas time, in particular young children, uh, but to keep her memory alive and to get you into quality health care. So far, so good. We've been able to do that at Cardinal Glennon. Well, Bill, we, we love when you uh, share your story with us. Thank you for doing it. No, it can be difficult to do that, even even just to do that. And so we, we yeah, thank you, know you and it's good to hear. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, sorry again. I, I never know when that's going to take place. It's, sorry. And I don't think I don't think anybody who's gone through what your family has gone through does either. So it's it's absolutely. You can have having twins is a uh, yeah. That's a blessing in and of itself. Believe me. Bill McDermott, thank you again. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Nate. Talk to you soon. That is Bill McDermott. He is Mr. Soccer and again host of Extra Time on KMOX. And it is uh, right now the Tree of Hope campaign happening at SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. It's a big deal for Odyssey St. Louis. So all the stations here, you know, KZK, KMOX, all of them are involved in this. And if you want to donate, it, and you should, um, you can just go to this website. It's very easy to do. It is treeofhope.org. And also, uh, I mentioned earlier, and I'll mention it again, that we do have on January 5th, the inaugural Give Back Trivia Night. So this is all benefiting SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital uh, during the Tree of Hope campaign. So January 5th, the Moolah Shrine Center, tables for the event, 200 bucks, and it's for 10 people. So it's just 20 bucks a person. It's, it's nothing. And a huge portion of the proceeds will be going to SSM Health Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. So and, and that helps kids recover. And you can see how important it is to people like uh, the McDermott's. And what they went through. So to get your table, kmox.com 
slash events, and also keep in mind the website treeofhope.org. Nate Gatter is in for Amy Markscores. I'm Chris Ranji on KMOX. 20-17 Buffalo. They send another blitz. Selling out. Flag on the play. Might be a free one. They've got Kelsey at the 30. Kelsey 25. Angling back. 20. Now he's going to lateral it back at the 15-yard line. It's Tony. 10-5. Touchdown, Kansas City. Kelsey, the old University of Cincinnati quarterback. Number 19, offense, lined up in the neutral zone. Five-yard penalty. Check it out. Offsides by the offense, lined up in the neutral zone. (laughs) That sucks. That would have been the play of the year. I think that would have been the play of the year last night. I think if you... you Control for the fact that it was still just a regular season game between two teams, but not even two great teams this year, just two talented teams. That would have been one of the most iconic touchdowns in the history of the NFL. Just a, just a great play. And it was off script. It wasn't like Travis Kelsey had planned it. He just thought of it in the moment no, and it worked. It was great. What a, what a great play. And um, he only could have gotten that sort of, I think, inspiration from Taylor Swift. Um, but here's the, what what happened after the fact is maybe the most important thing. And anybody who didn't watch the game, that cost them. It cost them the game. Had they scored that touchdown, they probably win. They didn't win last night. They they lost to the Bills. So this is Patrick Mahomes after the fact. I mean, it's I mean obviously tough to swallow. I mean, not not only for for me, but just for football in general. I mean, just to take away greatness like that. I mean, for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win, but as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, don't, it, I mean, they're human, man. They make mistakes, but I mean, I'm, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something. And Here's the thing. They didn't make a mistake. Uh, they didn't make first a mistake. They were, look, we are the home of the Chiefs here, KMOX. You can catch uh, Chiefs action right here on 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, and the Odyssey app. Or wait, maybe not Odyssey app. I don't know. A-U-D-A-C-Y. But you can listen to Cardinals baseball on the Odyssey app. We know that for, for sure. Um, they didn't get it wrong. The guy was offsides. He was very clearly offsides by a lot. You don't see it very often where a... An offensive player lines up offside, but to try and blame, which, which he, listen, officials will rarely get, um, I will rarely support them because I think NFL officiating, relatively speaking, is kind of terrible. And you could say that about college too. Though it's sort of the league's but, own fault for not having, they could pay these guys to be full time and could train them all the time and could improve still, but, the officiating. They are, right, they're using accountants right, they and are lawyers. Still, Nate, they're still very well compensated. They, I, it's well not about compensation. I'm not saying yeah. they're they're not compensated enough. I'm saying they the if the NFL wanted to make this their full time job where they could be focused on it all the time, they could better position them to succeed. It's really difficult. I mean, the game is extraordinarily fast, yep. played by these huge and incredibly strong individuals, and you're asking you know 75 year old men to process that, and and a lot of times not happening. Yeah, fast so they, they get it wrong a lot, and you're again they will get no defense from me until something like last night happens. There was clearly a penalty. And so to blame the officials for your player screwing up, and he screwed, Kadarius Tony was offside. He screwed up. 
Kadarius Tony has pretty much lost on his own two games for the yeah, Chiefs dropping, between that one and his drops yes. on opening night against the Lions. Dropping passes, doing stuff like that. Now, we have a text message from Mary Lynn who says, this is the third loss for the Chiefs involved blown calls by the officials. The game should not be decided by the officials. I agree with you. But it's not Until a blown call. Until they commit a penalty. But it's not wrong. a blown call. They were wrong. Patrick Mahomes, I think it's a very bad look for him to do this. I'm just going to chalk it up to he didn't go back and watch the tape before he did his press conference. He was no. on the field screaming at the official after the game and had to be held back. It's Patrick probably Mahomes. accumulation, too. He references last week when they absolutely have Whatever, a case because that was a he's blown wrong. non-call. He's wrong. It doesn't matter. He's the, wrong. He's right. wrong today. He was wrong right. last night. But the Chiefs he should, should apologize for it if he hasn't done it already. To Mary Lynn's point, the Chiefs should have gotten a flag last week. It was blatant interference on Valdez Scantling. Absolutely should have. Yeah. Here the issue is the call was right. If they want a warning, Tony needs to be checking. He should be checking every play. The official would have told him to take a step back. The second thing is the official didn't know he was canceling out that play. He threw the flag on the snap. That's right. Whatever happens, happens. Nate Gatter, thanks for hanging out today. We appreciate it. Um, I believe John Hancock is in with me tomorrow. We'll get started at 10 o'clock. The Odyssey app. Go listen to anything you missed. All the podcasts are there for you. Chris and Amy show on KMOX. Glover's next. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 